This is Tech Talk for Accountant Show, where we discuss the hottest topics, tools, apps, and trends in the accounting industry. This show is sponsored by Rush Tech Support, who is offering all listeners of the show a free IT audit so you can know whether or not your business is at risk of being hacked, having a data breach, or getting fined hundreds of thousands of dollars for non-compliance. You can schedule a free check at rushtech.online slash podcast. And welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Tech Talk for Accountants show. I'm your host, Andrew Lassis with Tech for Accountants, specializing in IT and cybersecurity for accounting firms. And today with us, Paul Latham is going to be talking not about cybersecurity in accounting firms, but how to maximize the revenue earnings potential inside of a CPA firm. He and I were both on a CPE uh, about a month back and, you know, a lot of insight, very, very smart person. And I'll let him give the background of, you know, where he started and where he is at now. So Paul, take it away. Oh, thanks very much, Andrew, and uh, thanks very much for inviting me on. Uh, yeah, as your um, watchers or viewers can probably tell, I'm, I'm actually English. Um, I'm in fact still a chartered accountant. I don't trade as an accountant these days, but I'm a chartered accountant by training. And I had an accounting firm back in the UK, um, which, you know, in fact started in the 1980s, um, but really changed in the 1990s. Um, there was a report produced by the Institute of Chartered Accountants in, in, in England. I think it was about 93, big, thick report, basically said three or four things. It sort of said what you provide as an accountant is increasingly becoming a commodity. And they were talking about things like accounts preparation, tax returns, historical things, if you like. And they said, what you're providing is increasingly becoming a commodity and your future's pretty bleak because you're going to be working harder and you're going to be working faster and you're going to be working sort of for less money in sort of hourly terms, if you like. And basically this, it said, you're going to be having no fun. And um, I think there were three or four of my partners, we sat around the boardroom table and we sort of said, let's not do that. Um, and, and basically it's a, a very quick way of saying how the next seven or eight years panned out. But, but we re-established ourselves as what I called a forward-looking accounting firm, where we focused on helping our clients to look forward and plan. And, and the net result of all that was that, um, well, uh, we, we grew to, be, I think, become the, th- I, I can never quite remember, I think it was about the 13th or 14th largest in the UK, uh, certainly the largest independent firm in the north of England, um, about 250 people. And, and actually, we ended up selling the business. Somebody came and offered, um, basically, it was $45 million. Um, they, they paid way too much, by the way. Um, no, they paid just the right amount because yeah. if they hadn't offered it or you hadn't requested it, you know, there was agreement between parties. And Absolutely. so on your side, I mean, yeah. that's that's how uh, M&A works, right? It's, they, say, yeah. they say, well, I think it's worth, you know, off our numbers, we're looking at about 30. And it's like, well, off yeah. my numbers, yeah. Yeah, I'm calculating yeah. 80 to 100. So <laughs> let's meet at 45. I, I'm being a little flippant, obviously. But, uh, you know, I mean, we, we always had an internal valuation and, and put it this way, that number was in excess of our internal valuation. And truthfully, the real reason we sold 
was because myself and one of the other partners, I, I wanted to do something else at that point. In fact, I ended up, uh, after we'd sold the business and spent my year passing it over, et cetera, we, we, we took a, a different business, nothing to do with accountancy. We took it public, grew it to about 400 people, 400 million market cap. Um, so that for me, the timing was right. And, you know, just carrying on, if you like, a little bit of that introduction, um, eventually, and this is about 2011 and 12, I actually moved to the US. Basically, I just wanted a change of lifestyle. And I had no intention whatsoever of working with or being involved with accountancy in any way. And But very early on in my dealings with, um, in fact, it was the guy building my house, um, I, I just got talking to him and I was asking him some questions. And one of the things that became well, he said was, well, I, I, actually, I asked him how his accountant worked with him and whether he provide, you know, what sort of services and advice. And he sort of looked at me a little bit odd. And he said, well, all he does is my tax, my, my last year's tax. Uh, and I thought, oh. and, and the, but the more I looked into this, the more I realized, you see, that the US was way behind. I mean, seriously, way behind, um, uh, certainly the UK and Western Europe in terms of how it positioned itself um, with regard to the services that the accountants provided their clients. And it, it sort of opened my eyes really to the possibility of helping accountants in the US. And that's really where we started what we're doing today, which is really help CPAs reposition themselves and become what I call 21st century accountants. So you kind of had a time machine just in a not uh, yeah, yeah. not in the science fiction way, but you saw firsthand where the where the field was going, and we talk a lot about on the show about decommoditizing what your services are because I mean, in my opinion, and we see this in IT too. If you know more than the person in front of you, you are the absolute expert of experts and they don't really have a way to qualify whether or not you are the best of the best. I mean, everybody claims it's like, Oh, we are the best firm. And we, we specialize on customer satisfaction. Like, Oh my God, your value prop is so different than everybody else's. So you're in the future. You see that the forward thinking accountant, is the way of the future in the UK. You move to the US and realize nobody in the US is doing this, but you also realize this compliance work, the backwards looking work, and frankly, the work that most accountants don't really want to be doing. Just the, all right, I check the box and move this here. You deduct that. Here's your, you know, here's your return. See you next year. You know, people want to be, that consultant and they want to be the, you know, the person where their clients come to them for advice. So, so you, you traveled back in time to the U S and do you have a time frame of when, cause that's a conversation conversation that's going on now for sure. Do you have yeah. sort of a time frame of when it started shifting and that conversation started shifting in your eyes? Well, it's interesting, really, because obviously I, I can observe it. And, and by the way, that reference to the time machine is, is quite right. In fact, that's exactly what I say when I talk to friends in the UK. I say, I feel like I've got a time machine and I've gone back 20 years and you know, here I am. Um, but uh, yeah, I, see, I, was, I, I use a little um, typical consulting grid and it, it talks about the problem being either blatant or latent. And then the, if you like, the 
um, the accountant's desire to change as either being aspirational or critical. So when I first started talking to accountants back in uh, probably early 2012, um, I think the problem at that time from the accountant's perception was latent. It was there but they didn't really notice it. It was sort of, if you like, under the water. And, and, and certainly when I talked to them, they absolutely enjoyed talking to me. You know, I've got a nice English accent and I've got some interesting things to talk about. And they definitely enjoyed talking to me. Um, but I would say that their desire to change was aspirational. So it was latent and aspirational, if you like. If you can imagine a little, one of those four quadrant boxes, it was in the bottom left-hand corner. And sort of through... 2012, 2015, I would say, 15, 16, it was definitely in that bottom left-hand box. I think notwithstanding anything that's happened in, with the pandemic in the last you know, year or two, um, it was definitely shifting by late 2018 into 19, where I think, see, I, I judge this from whether you're trying to persuade the accountant that they need to change. And I think it was somewhere around... 2019, where it became really obvious that, that this problem had become blatant rather than latent. And I wouldn't say necessarily the accountant had moved into the critical box, but perhaps it was getting towards the cusp of that. So when I was having conversations in 2019, I certainly wasn't trying to persuade anyone of the need to change. They, they sort of got it. Um, their bigger issue wasn't that it was how to do it. Um, so it wasn't why, it became the how. And then, of course, what's actually happened in the last 18 months or so is I mean, we're doing this today, you know, we're doing this virtual thing. And two years ago, that was a big block because a lot of, I mean, we'll get into no doubt how we deliver solutions and so on, but a lot of it re relies on other expertise and, 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 and being virtual and accountants with the best will in the world are maybe not the most innovative when it comes to taking on new things. And so things like virtual were a block. Um, but obviously what's happened over the last you know, 12, 18 months is that everyone's got used to what we're doing now. And, and, and so that block has gone. And so the, the pace of change has accelerated dramatically. And, and, and we're definitely up in that top right quadrant now where you know, it's blatant and it's, it's becoming critical. So. Yeah, I think I think that quadrant is like the Eisenhower matrix or something like that, yeah. where where you know it's the the urgent and everything's on fire, urgent and important yes. in in that upper right quadrant. And so so mm -hmm. often, you know, in a business, you've always got things that are we need to fix this immediately. We need to fix that immediately. We need to do this. And just one of the things that I do and it's not even a, it's not like a life hack or anything, but I just set arbitrary deadlines and hold myself accountable to other people. So one of the things that we've recently rolled out, it's, it's in the beta at the moment and we'll, we'll see, you know, what the response is, but a lot of our clients have been saying, you know, my tech does such a great job. Like, is there any way to tip them? And we were like, well, I mean, is there a way, I mean, we could kind of charge it. You're kind of trying to figure it out. And so it was on the, I want to do this and yes, yes but it's going to require some time to sit down, yes. think about what the process looks like. How do we automate as much of this as possible? So it doesn't become, you know, an administrative burden and overhead and Absolutely. all these extra just headaches and new fires that we have to put out. And how do we, you know, not mix 
hips with sales and all yeah, these yeah. other things. So, so we had to figure out a couple logistical things and it had been on the back burner for, I mean, months really, where it, it wasn't a, I don't want to do this. It was, I have 17 other fires that I must attend to in a very short period of time. And so what I did arbitrary deadline and accountability, I just said, we had a tech meeting on Monday and I just said, this is happening by the end of this week. And, and so now it changes it from it changes the dynamic. It, it makes it, it puts it in that urgent box and it took me four hours. I did it. Yeah, exactly. And most of these things aren't that difficult, but if you put allocate some time, I mean, actually you see, I believe, and I have believed this for 30 years and I preach this every single day of the week, there are three ingredients of business success. And, and those three ingredients are what I call vision, plan, and desire. Desire being the one you've just talked about. Um, but I, I was liken it to going on a journey. You know, if you're going on any journey, you would decide first where you were going. You'd be a pretty weird person if you didn't decide where you were going. Or put it another way, if you didn't decide where you're going, you would never get there. Um, yeah. So step one is have a vision, which in, say, accountants' terms is, you know, I, I have decided this is what I want my business to look like. I want it to be predominantly forward-looking. I want it to be providing value-added solutions and so on. And the vision part is really easy. That takes typically, you know, four hours. Uh, I, I do those with accountants every day of the week. It takes four hours to create a picture of the business you want to create, if you like to build. The second element is then to build a plan. And, and that involves all the things you just mentioned, you know, the tech and the, the systems and the process and what we're going to do and what we're going to say. But it doesn't take, you know, whilst it takes longer than a vision, I mean, you know, it takes a few days maybe to create a plan if you're doing it properly across the whole business. But the really critical element is desire. So we know where we're going. We've got a route plan to get there. But do we really want to get there? And I see, I'd, I strongly distinguish between recognizing that you need to and, and actually doing it. Because many accountants recognize that they need to, but they, but they don't do it. And part of the answer is what you've said, having the arbitrary deadlines we, we have systems of accountability where we create ownership and accountability and we follow up on people and so on. Um, but but it, it, it's it's a little more than that. I think it's what I, so I call, talk about behavioral change and it's all about building new habits. Um, and I, I use this very weird metaphor, which is all about brushing teeth, which is obsolete really, because we all use electric toothbrushes. But in the days when we didn't have electric toothbrush, you know, I'm right-handed, I, I brush my teeth with my right hand. I, I could do that in the morning without even giving it one second's thought. I was thinking about what I was doing in the day, brush my teeth, no problem. And that's really analogous to the accountant who does what they've always done, which is, you know, backwards compliance, tax returns, and so on. Imagine then some, somebody said, oh, there's some medical reason why brushing your teeth with your left hand is so much better. And you might intellectually get it and you might try to do it, but then you try brushing your teeth in the morning with your left hand rather than your right. And it's really hard work because it sort of just doesn't come naturally. Uh, and that's analogous to becoming a forward-looking accountant and the skills involved are quite different. And you, I think you also referred a few minutes ago to the experts in the room and, and, and you see the accountant has been and still is 
the expert in the room when it comes to doing that backwards stuff. They don't have to think about it. They are the expert in the room. They have confidence. Take them out of that comfort zone and, and, and say, now become a left-handed toothbrusher, forward-looking, providing advice. They, they know they need to, but to give them the confidence, well, first of all, to change the habits and then to have the confidence to feel as expert in that arena as they did in the backwards one, that, that's, that's where the change has to happen. And it's not as easy as just deciding... I'm going to do it. Yeah. And that's what I need. And you know, the, you're basically trading your time for, for money in that scenario. And, you know, there are so many analogies between the accountant world and the IT world. And we've literally made a similar transition where most people, when they are looking for an IT person, it's usually because something is broken and they want it fixed. So usually when somebody is looking for an accountant, it's the end of the year, I need my taxes done or my books are out of whack. They're terrible. I need a QuickBooks cleanup. I don't want anything more than for it to be clean. And then I'll just go and ruin it again myself and call you later because you're the expert at fixing my fires. Again, you know, back in that Eisenhower matrix, it's not on fire. It doesn't have a deadline. Yes. It's just not, on the radar for a lot of people. So in an industry that's built primarily on referrals and word of mouth and building a lot of trust equity is what I like to call it for a lot of the sales cycle for most accountants is, you know, I was referred by so-and-so they say you do a great job or, you know, I'm really in a pinch and so-and-so said, said this, I mean, there's, it's very difficult to be able to gauge who is good at what they do and who isn't. So if, so if an accountant is making this switch from the backwards compliance to the forward thinking consultant type model. um, So is this something where we take our existing clients and move them into our new model, or do we just kind of separate old clients, old model, new clients don't expect anything. So we try to push them here. What's, what's that look like in the transformation? Well, it's, a, it's actually a really good question. And it's one of the, you remember I talked about having a vision. One of the things we establish in the vision is which way will we do it? And, and there are two ways, by the way. Um, I w- but I would say the major- with the majority, if you've got an accounting business, with a, you know, re, you know, a reasonable range of good clients. I mean, first of all, recognize that not all clients want proactive forward-looking. Um, so you're talking about what I call your A and B clients who, who will want the proactive forward-looking advice. But, but sort of making that caveat, normally it is easier for the accountant to start with their existing clients because they already know them and that those people trust them. And but there's a what you can't what you cannot do is move in, you know, 24 seconds um, from, from, from being backwards to forwards. And, and, and one of the things we help the accountants with is the appropriate script. Um, you know, how do we do this? And, and basically it starts from a position of saying, yeah, we've been thinking really, really hard. Well, you actually the way we do it is we first of all we we send them a little email that says, I've got some new things to announce in my business. 
arrange a meeting, come in and basically so, so take them through and sort of say, you know, been thinking really hard about what we're doing with our business. I didn't get into becoming an accountant to just become a backward looking accountant, but somehow that's where I got to. We've made a decision that we want to increasingly shift to being forwards looking. We know that our best clients want this and I regard you as one of our best clients. And, and so what you're beginning to do is then explain to the client and, 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 but to use one of my colleagues' phrases, that the, 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 I was going to use the word trick. It's not a trick, but it's just, it's just an English turn of phrase. But it, it, the skill is in get them to do something. So the very first step we always get them to do is a little diagnostic. Get the client's completed diagnostic. And you see, this is where, this is part of the how. So you've got coaching in terms of what to say. You've got systems in terms of, for example, a diagnostic, we call it a client information questionnaire. It takes the client 20, 30 minutes to complete with the accountants, but but what will come out of that are needs. And you see, go back in time to my Latham's days. I, I remember having, I mean, we didn't know what we were doing in 93, 94, 95, you know, we were stumbling our way through. We had no one to coach us, um, but we talked about diagnostics or questionnaires. And I remember my team, some of them anyway, saying, well, we already know our client. This, this will be sort of weird. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I mean, because you see, we know, as, what, the way I used to say it was, imagine a pizza. I think we know them really, really well in one particular slice of the pizza, but the rest of this pizza, I'm not sure we, do, we know them quite so well. And what we discovered was, if we ask the client questions around, you know, it could be the business advisory area, it could be tax planning, it could be their legacy estate planning, it could be legal problems. In other words, uh, uh, taking a much more holistic view, what we quickly discovered was that our clients had needs and, and, and they wanted some help to solve them. And the accountant, you see, as that sort of central point of trust in the client's life basically they become what I call the handholder. You know, what you're not there necessarily to do is solve every problem yourself, but you're holding the client's hand on this journey. It could be a five-year journey, 10-year journey, whatever. You're there, the constant holding the hand. So long, I've sort of slightly gone off the uh, subject of your question, but, but the way we normally suggest now we start is start with your existing clients and really what all you're doing is having a very simple conversation, actually, which is there are two ways I can be. I mean, I, I, let's do it around to the way I used to do it when I was talking to clients. If I was talking to a new one, let's just say, I'd say two types of accountants, backward looking, tell you what happened last year, forward looking, help you get to where you want to go. We can cut this really short because if you want one of those, I can do it, but I'm not that interested. I can... I can recommend some people. If you want one of those, I'm really good at it. I don't think I very often came across a client who said, can I have one of those backward ones, please? Right. They usually said forward. And then I used to say, so in terms of how we're going to work, there's two ways I can work. I can either be reactive and wait for you to ask me questions, ask me stuff, or I can be proactive and come to you with advice. Which would you prefer? And I don't remember many of them saying, can I have the reactive one, please? You so don't know what you don't know also. So, I mean. Exactly. Exactly. We um, literally, we saw someone so had sold uh, stock short term gain and then she was upset that she had to pay taxes on it. And it, yes. and literally the, the accountant said to her, 
you did this before you even asked me. <laughs> you, you tell me after the fact, what am I supposed to do? Exactly. Just tell you what happened? Exactly. So, so you get through this, that first part of the conversation, I want forward, I want proactive. What I then used to say to the clients and what we teach them to say now is, there are two ways to be proactive. I can be proactive for me or I can be proactive for you. Proactive for me is called selling you stuff. I've, and I used, this, I used this phrase, I, I said, I've got a great big accounting supermarket and it's full of stuff. You know, it's business advisory, tax planning, IT planning. We had an IT business, um, uh, financial planning and so on. And I said, if you want me to, I can try and tell you stuff. I said, it'll be a toss up who gets bored first, you or me. Probably me because my boredom threshold is fairly low. I don't want to sell you stuff. I want to be proactive for you. And proactive for you means starts with identifying your needs. Uh, and I said, and in the same way I'm looking at you now, Andrew, I cannot tell by looking at you what your needs are. So why don't we start huge. with that? Yeah. <laughs> the whole package. Go- Give me the supermarket, <laughs> Paul. Yeah. Why don't we go th- why don't we go through a diagnostic process and, and it's entirely free, etc. You know, let's just start with establishing your needs. And once we know your needs, then we can begin to move forward. And essentially this is this get them to do something. So you're starting with a really easy thing. And, and moving moving forward, go, go back to your uh, original question about existing or new. And we now recommend existing. Usually, it is easier because the accountant has the trust. We didn't do that at Latham's because, frankly, we had no one to tell us what to do. Um, and, and, and I remember saying to my partners, "Shall we start practicing on new ones? Because what's the worst that can happen?" Right. <laughs> So, so, so what actually happened, it took maybe eight, nine, 10, 12 months, but we discovered a couple of things. One, we, we massively disproportionately won new clients because we didn't start from accounting stuff. We started from a whole different place of what are you trying to achieve, um, either in your business or your life. So it, we didn't sound like an accountant. We sounded really different. So we won, I forget the percentages, but, you know, we probably won six out of eight or seven out of eight or something better than we used to do. And then the other thing that was happening was we had a much closer relationship with those new ones. And we were not just seeing them once a year, as you referenced, you know, a few minutes ago. We were seeing them typically monthly or quarterly. Because I used to say, see, once we said that question about proactivity, I used to say, and one of the things you do need to tell me is how proactive you want me to be. I can be a little bit proactive or a lot proactive or somewhere in the middle. A little bit proactive is probably two or three meetings a year. A lot proactive is probably meeting every month. And typical is probably more like quarterly with an extra one at tax time. So maybe five meetings a year. So we were seeing them a lot more often. We were doing a lot more things with them. We were solving their problems in different ways. And what we actually recognized after 12 months was that our new clients were getting a way better service than our old ones. And at that point we said, well, we've got to shift. And in fact, we came up with the magic phrase, which was treat you like a new client. So we went to our existing ones and said, and obviously it would vary from client to client, but say they'd been with us 10 years, you know, uh, say, well, hi Joe, you know, obviously you've been with us a long time, 10 years. We, we do provide a really good service. Um, but it's what we did 10 years ago. Um, if you would joined us today, truthfully, you'd get a way better service. And what we've decided to do, if you don't mind, 
is treat you like a new client and take you, imagine that you were talking to us today that for the first time and here's what we'd say. And so essentially all we did really was we slightly pivoted what we said to the new ones. And what we discovered was that I think it was 60 to 70% of our existing clients upgraded uh, and went from being reactive to proactive. Uh, by the time we sold the business, by the way, in 2001, I know for a fact, because because we went through all that due diligence, um, more than 80% of our revenue was not backward-looking stuff. Only 20% of our revenue was the backward stuff, whereas when we started, it was the other way around. In fact, it's yeah. probably, probably even more than 80% backward-looking. Yeah. So, but there is this interesting question, though. But either way, it comes to the same point, which is asking a client, do you want forwards or backwards? Do you want reactive or proactive? How proactive would you like me to be? Because that then gives the client a clue that this is a service we're providing and it's not free. Um, because you see, one of the key learnings from this was that you can't, I mean, when we started, we charged by the hour as many accountants do. Mm-hmm. I quickly realized you can't charge for proactivity by the hour. Um, I remember, you know, practice words like, yeah, I've been thinking proactively about you for five hours and I'd like to, you know, no, no, no. <laughs> so what you have to do, what you have to do is shape the service in advance. Almost like, so if a tax return is a physical product service, proactivity is a, still a service it's just intangible so what you have to do is shape it and i i usually talk to my accountants about think about selling a coca-cola bottle of coca-cola you can imagine a bottle of coca-cola easy to sell it if you try and sell a a, a, a sort of a, a proactive thing if you don't know what it is you're selling and the client doesn't understand it they aren't going to buy it you've got to make this proactive service as clear in the client's mind as a bottle of Coca-Cola. And that means shaping the delivery. You know, we'll start with the diagnostic, we'll do this, we'll do that, we'll do the other. Here's what you're going to get. If you need more, we can always expand it. And that's what we normally do. Start with dipping your toe in the water, client. Let's just meet two or three times a year. But over time, we'll probably find that you want more and more of this because you value it. So, yeah, so you're giving the clients more value, which is what the client really wants. And, you know, so often people kind of just like you said, with the brushing your teeth with the right hand, it's just this is what I've always done. This is what I'm comfortable with. People usually shift away from being uncomfortable unless acted on by an outside force. So, you know, tomorrow the IRS says you can't do reactive work anymore. You know, yeah, yeah. it all has to be proactive and yeah. you're not allowed to look at, you know, yes. past bank statements and stuff. You just, you need yeah. to know all that proactively and exactly. then, you know, everybody's frantic and just like with the zoom, you know, yeah, when yeah, yeah. COVID exactly. happened, everyone's exactly. frantic. And then a month later, it's exactly. normal, exactly. You know, the new normal of your practice. And what we do, and it's sort of like your accountability meetings you talked about. Um, we we put it when the accountant starts, we put them into what we call ninety days of coaching, um, and basically we we have a behavioural change coach who meets with them. In the beginning, it's usually weekly. By the end, it's maybe bi-weekly. But basically, they have about ten meetings through those ninety days. And what we're really doing is we're holding the accountant accountable by because we'll have agreed you know the previous meeting which clients they were going to talk to and then at the next meeting so how did that conversation go and what can we learn from it and all that stuff 
Um, and, and it sort of forces the accountant to do what they want to do, um, but maybe haven't got the confidence. And so that's where we, you know, we help them with the scripts. We help them with role play. We help them with becoming a left-handed toothbrusher. We help them with the systems because we provide the diagnostics and the IT and so on. And then critically, the third element we help them. So it's the coaching, it's the systems, but then it's the access to expertise. And this is where, especially for smaller accountants, this is almost the best bit for them because you see, if you look at the smaller accountant, they're great because they provide a personal service to their client. That's their strength. Uh, their weaknesses, they lack resource to solve problems. Uh, so they're typically small. You know, they can do certain things, whether it's tax returns and bookkeeping, maybe payroll, something like that. Um, but they lack resource. Um, but what we provide them is, is what we call the virtual family office. And we have it's more than 100, but say 100 different experts in different areas. It could be yourself, Andrew. It could be cost segregation. It could be a cultural change guy. It could be a business advisory guy. It could be a really expert tax planner or so on. And what these people are are virtual experts that become part of the accountant's team because, you see, if you ask the client questions and go through a diagnostic and remember that slice of pizza, the accountant is good at the slice of pizza, but there's probably seven slices of pizza that they're not so good at or don't have the expertise, but the virtual family office allows them to hold the client's hand, but then introduce them to a meeting. So it might be, you know, me as the accountant, my client has an IT cyber tech sort of problem. I think, oh, let me introduce you to Andrew. He, he's the expert in this area. And so what the accountant is not trying to do is suddenly become an expert in 10,000 different things. It's physically impossible. The accountant is becoming the expert in holding the client's hand and being that sort of holistic advisor surrounded by you know, an infinite number of experts who are really good at what they do. And suddenly that small accountant has gone from being small, agile, personal, but lacking resource to actually having way more resource than the typical, even the biggest accountants on the high street, you know, way beyond the expertise. And so actually this is a massive competitive advantage for the smaller accountants. Suddenly they knock the socks off. Um, the, the, even, you know, even the biggest accountant in, in their town. So suddenly they combine the best of both worlds, the personal touch and the trust combined with access to expertise. And, and, and that's, that's where the accountant truly wins. And then those experts sort of become, if you can imagine, subcontractors. So the accountant doesn't have to employ any of these people, which means you actively have to sell a lot to cover the cost of their wages. All you do is you use the expert when the client has a need the client is basically sort of paying for a subcontractor to come in and the, and, the, and the accountant is essentially having a revenue share by using that subcontractor and, and, and that's exactly how it works. And so suddenly the accountant is at the centre of the client's universe. The client would never dream of doing something without talking to, to their you know, regular handholder and we, we can provide the solution. So you combine those three things, behavioural change and coaching, with systems and diag diagnostics, with access to expertise, the accountant suddenly is capable of doing this. Whereas before, it's it's a it's a dream, but it's really hard to do. Yeah, I mean that's sort of the goal of everybody is to be, 
the go-to for everything. But in order to do that without resources, you need to be the expert in everything, which is literally impossible. And I mean, I, I see so often how deep, you know, our own organization has gone where, you know, it was high level, let's help everybody with everything, which I mean, it works, right? I mean, someone knocks on our door, says I was referred by so-and-so and I need help with this abstract thing that you've got some experience in, like you've got two clients using this random software and can you help me? And sure, we've set it up before and everything goes fine. So you don't learn the nuances and the pitfalls to avoid because you've only got limited experience. And then as we start digging into like the, the enrolled agent world and, you know, everybody's on Drake and pro series. And it's like, we only have to learn sort of the ins and outs of a handful of these products and become very, very proficient in them, which then, we can be more efficient at what we do. We can dig yeah. deeper, help our clients better yes. instead of, all right, yeah, we're going to help you with Drake. And meanwhile, we're going to be doing uh, this cloud migration. And yeah. we're also going to learn coding and yeah. we're also going to learn web design and we're going to learn and it works ish. Yeah. But the, the way I always express what you've just said to the accountants, Andrew, is as the accountant and as that sort of what I'd call central holistic advisor, what you are doing is you're going an inch deep, but a mile wide. So yeah, you're covering all these areas, but you're only going an inch deep. But when you then ascertain that this is an area that they need more help in, we bring the expert in and they go a mile deep, but only an inch wide, if, if that makes sense. So you come in, you know, they've got, they know the, the accountant only needs to know a little bit about cybersecurity and what you can offer them to be able to identify that's a need, bring you in. You then go a mile deep in that area because you're the expert. It's your swim lane. And um, in that way, if you combine the holistic presence of the accountant who takes the overview with, with the very deep expertise of, you know, Andrew amongst, you know, a hundred other experts at his finger, at that accountant's fingertips, suddenly the accountant can go wide with the client and the experts go deep. And I think that's a great place to leave off. Paul, where can people learn more about you and your organization and you know, learn how you can help them further? Um, well, I'm part of a, a group which, which is called the Elite Group, but I, I'm, I'm in a division of that called Hayden Rock, um, Hayden Rock Solutions. So if they were to come to www.haydenrock.com, then they could find me there or find us there. Fantastic. And as always, if you're looking for a diagnostic on your IT services and about proactive services, you could go to tech4accountants.net. That's tech with the number four accountants.net and book a complimentary IT audit for forward thinking in your cybersecurity world. And Paul, thank you so much for being on the show. I had a great time and I learned a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Tech Talk for Accountants show. Be sure to subscribe if you like the show. And remember, if you would like a complimentary IT audit of your business, go to rushtech.online slash podcast to schedule a time with a certified technician who can look over your current IT systems and make recommendations on how to make sure you and your clients are safe.